we know that today, even, God has more for you in that. And so we hope that everybody will just lean into that today and continue to lean into that as we uh, move throughout the service. I am Amy Rieger. I'm the kids pastor here at North Star.
earlier this hour. We didn't get an applause last hour. Um, our rush camp signups are open. This is for junior high and senior high, um, June 26th through the 30th. This is a great week for kids to connect with one another, kids to connect with the Lord. Um, lots of good, great teaching, not just all that fun, but that fun is fun too. So um, adults, sorry, you can't go. But kids, yes. So you have junior high or senior high kids, please sign them up. You can go online to find out more about that. Oh, it's at Camp Chautauqua. Um, it's not too far from here. All right, so um, let me pray for us as we get started. Father, um, we just thank you for everything that you do for us, Lord, that you provide. You are our provider. Lord, we love you. Thank you for giving us time to worship and to connect our heart to your heart. Lord, would you continue to connect our heart to yours through your word? Um, give David wisdom. And, and Lord, anything that you want us to hear, I pray um, you would hear today too. We pray in Jesus' name. Good morning, everybody. If I have not met you before, my name is David Smith, and this is Holly Brewer. Does everybody know Holly? This is uh, Holly's last official Sunday on staff as our student life coordinator. Holly is moving on to a job with back-to-back -back ministries, which if you're going to leave us for anybody back-to-back, -back, we've had a partnership with for probably 18 years. Uh, Holly's going to go and coordinate all their mission trips, so we'll still be working with you in some degree. But uh, I want to invite Holly up here, and if you don't know much about Holly, she is one of the most versatile leaders that we have. She can preach. You may not know this. She can lead worship. She can disciple. She can help coordinate retreats that look a little bit like that. But what we're going to miss most about you, Holly, is the character, the heart. And I said this at the 9 o'clock. I'm going to say it again. You know, Emily and I, like a lot of parents, you start praying pretty early on that your kids are going to be surrounded by a village of Especially I think about when the pandemic hit. Holly, I am so grateful, right, that you were in that role at that time, but that my kids have been able to grow up in a student ministry that you have been on staff with because um, I can't be more thrilled as a friend, as much as someone you work with, on the job that you've done. We're going to miss you immensely, but Holly and Aaron won't be leaving North Star family as a church. They'll still be here serving a bunch of different capacities, but just wanted to take this moment to say thank you, thank you, thank you. You have done an amazing, amazing job. Thanks. Without a So, uh, any uh, prayer team, elders, advisory board, staff, why don't you come on up? Let's surround Holly, and we're going to commission her on to this next assignment with back to back. Again, not saying goodbye. two years into the pandemic, uh, my family and I decided, let's go on spring break. I think it was okay to do that at that time. 
And so Emily has some family down in Florida, and they said, we've got a property that we want to give you guys for free. Come down, stay for the week. And as we were making these plans, I started thinking to myself, wait a minute. Disney World is down in this part of Florida. Now, as a family, we had never done Disney World or really anything like that. So the idea was that let's go buy a one-day ticket for each of us, and on one of those days, wake up early, drive a couple hours, and go experience what is Disney World, right? Because you hear so much about it. And one of my goals that I had for a family that day is that we would make it to all four parks in one day. <laughs> this is it. This is our one shot, which is a horrible, horrible idea. As you can see behind me, I couldn't feel my feet at the very end of it. We left the Magic Kingdom to the last spot. But the reason I was personally super excited is that I had heard that down in Disney World, they had built this place called Star Wars Land. Now, if you know anything about me, I hate to admit this, but I've had a 46-year love affair with Star Wars. I have no idea why I have. I'm a little embarrassed of it. Thank you for clapping the two or three over there. But because of my age, it's a little embarrassing to admit so I get down there in Star Wars land. I think Emily gave me like an hour there, but I fell for every tourist trap imaginable. Look at the pictures. There's the blue milk. I think it was $15. It was basically <laughs> milk and blue dive, but I'm, I'm having the time of my life. I'm like, we've got to ride everything in this area. But there was one ride we couldn't get to. It's called the Rise of the Resistance. I guess it's a big deal. We didn't make it on that ride, and I just started convincing myself, ah, you know what, it's probably not that good anyway. Like, they probably don't know what they're doing, is it worth the wait, no big deal, let's move on to the next area. Well, then I got home, I ended up talking to a friend of mine, and about a month ago, he'd been down at Disney World. I said, well, how was it? Did you actually like the ride? He said, well, David, let me tell you the top three moments of my life. <laughs> so, you know, number three, my children are Number two, I married my wife. Number one, rise of the resistance. And, uh, and at that moment, I realized, all right, I missed out. There's no doubt about it. You want to know why I missed out? Here's the tragedy of the story. I missed out because of one word, and that word is delay. I had been told by multiple people, if you want to ride this ride, if you want to be physically in the Star Wars universe on Rise of the Resistance, you need to wake up at 6.30 the day you're going to the park, open up your Disney app, and hit refresh for 30 minutes straight. And when 7 o'clock hits, you will be put in an online waiting queue of some sort, and they'll get you a spot for the day. And I'm thinking to myself, it's, you know, kind of the middle of the pandemic. There is no way there's going to be that many people, right? What a silly thought. Like, of course there's going to be a lot of people. And so I slept in. So about 7.15, I woke up, and the moment I tried to get us a spot, it was completely full for the entire day. I delayed 45 minutes and missed my moment. 45 minutes, and that was it. Now, this is a silly example, but I imagine some of us can relate in some way or another. Because think about it, has there ever been a moment where you missed out, and it was all on you? Because that moment I dizzy, that was on me. There was nobody else. I had all the instruction, all the information. I just delayed. Have you ever had that moment? You missed out, and there's no one else to blame. It's on you. You miss your plane flight because you stopped at Starbucks on the way there. That's on you. 
or you miss this glorious pancake dinner, <laughs> dinner, I guess a breakfast is usually we have pancakes, because you decide to hit the snooze on the alarm clock. Or kids, maybe you can relate to this one. Like you miss out on the family trip to graders because you delayed in cleaning your room or getting your homework done. And what happens is when we delay, it doesn't just impact us, but it impacts so many people in our life. Imagine the person who showed up at that airport you never arrived at, or the person who woke up early to slave making this pancake breakfast that you never arrived. And what happens in those moments, the relationships, right, they begin to, they begin to weather just a little bit. They start becoming strained. Now, I understand that relationships struggle for so many reasons, but I'm telling you, hidden in so much relational breakdown is this undetected virus of delay. And so what we're going to talk about today is what are those dangers of delaying? Dangers not only to us, but to those in our life that we really care about, that we really love. And not only what are these dangers, but how do we reverse this relational detriment? It's one thing to acknowledge and recognize, okay, here's the danger, but what do we do to reverse it and make sure our relationships don't struggle in an unneeded way? So let me pray, and that's what we're going to dive into today. So Lord, we love you, we thank you. Father, I just ask right now, would you open our hearts and our minds? Would you set an alarm clock off right now in our hearts to wake us up to, Lord, what you're doing? Help us to believe that you've got something for us today. And so Jesus, would you take any motive, any agenda that I'm bringing to this talk, or would you get rid of it? We want to hear from you and you alone. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we are in the third week of our Song of Solomon series, and today is a family Sunday. What a great combination, right? Talk about an oxymoron. Song of Solomon on a family Sunday. Parents, no earmuffs will be needed today. Uh, my friends Caleb and Jacob over there asked me if there's going to be any smoochy kissy. Is that right? No smoochy kissy at all today. So you're safe there. And actually, I want to share a quick story. Someone told me today, I think it's true, that there was a second grader in a public, not public, excuse me, a private Christian school here in Cincinnati that got in trouble for reading the Psalm of Solomon during Bible time. Like, I love that. I don't know why that entertains me so much. Because some second grade boy is like secretly reading Psalm of Solomon. So it can be a little risky. But Psalm of Solomon, you may notice in your Bible, for some of us, is called Song of Songs. The idea of being Lord of Lords, right? King of Kings. That this is the greatest of all the Psalms that Solomon wrote. And so we're calling our series Union because here is the actual dictionary definition of the word union. It means this. The action or fact of joining or being joined, becoming one. And since Song of Solomon is this great reminder that you and I were created to experience true union with only two entities in our life. Only two. If you're married, the first one is with your spouse, and the second one is with God. God obviously being the most important union and relationship that we can possibly have. The problem is, is that intimacy from either kind of union, whether it's marriage or it's our faith, it can be tricky. Because here's what happens. Imagine kind of a big slope right here, a big slide going down. When our intimacy in either one of those relationships begins to break down, we start sliding from adoration all the way down to admiration. Do you guys hear the difference between those two words? We go from adoration, which is love and intimacy at its height, 
all the way down to admiration. But I don't know about you. I don't want to just admire my wife. I don't want to just admire God. Admiration is for acquaintances. What I want to do is I want to be able to look at my wife, and my first thought is I can't be close enough to her. In the same way, I want my first thought of Jesus to be, you know what? I cannot be close enough to him. That's adoration. That's what we were created to experience in these two relationships. The problem is that we end up adoring the wrong things. This happens when we look at our phones or the video game screens or the bag of Holman donuts. We think to ourselves, I can't be close enough to you. The reality of it is, yes, you can. You actually can. That person you're not married to, that job, that education, those athletics, you actually can be close enough. That's considered union with the wrong thing. And so what the Song of Solomon does, it points us to the pursuit of true adoration, true union. And what we see in chapter 5 is how the dangers of delay get in the way of experiencing that kind of adoration. Now listen, if you're not married here... If you don't ever want to be married, I don't want you to tune out. Because this idea of delay is for each and every one of us, whether we're 9 or 90 years old, no matter your stage of life. This is relevant to all of us. So let's go ahead and open up. Uh, we're going to be in chapter 5 in Song of Solomon. Now, here's the thing. If you're on our scripture reading plan, this is the chapter you're reading today. So you're going to listen to me, and then you're going to go home, and you're going to read and dive more into this. So there'll be different sections I'm going to skip over, but I want you to read it. If you're not on the reading plan, just go through those double doors right there. And there's tons of journals out there. We would love for you to jump in anytime. Now, we read, read song, uh, song of Solomon. There's two big characters here that are kind of driving the story. There's he and she, bride and groom. Now, kids, bride and groom is another word for husband and wife. But also it's referring to King Solomon and most likely his relationship with a Shulamite bride. Now keep in mind, this is not a historical account. This is a collection of poems. So we're not trying to have some sort of intellectual feast here. We're actually trying to have a feast of feelings. Now, when did Solomon write this? I would have to guess that he wrote it earlier on in his reign as king, when he still cherished true intimacy and true love. Because if you go further down the life of Solomon, he ends up marrying 700 wives and 300 concubines. Don't think he was writing this at that time. So let's dive, let's dive in. Chapter 5, verse 1. This is the groom, the husband. Solomon is away from home, and now he's coming home to be with his bride. He says this, I have come into my garden. My sister, not his sister as we know it. This is a term of endearment. My bride, my beloved, I've gathered my myrrh with my spice. I've eaten my honeycomb and my honey. I've drunk my wine and my milk. Now, if some of those things sound familiar, those are products of the promised land. And so what we're hearing here is that there's a man of God that is coming from the land of God's goodness. And so therefore, this is a visit you don't want to miss out on. Man of God, and he's coming from the land of God's goodness. You don't want to miss. This is a righteous visit of holy pleasure and pursuit. But the issue that we see here is that even though this is such a righteous visit, the bride misses out. We read in verse 2 through 6 that the bride is actually asleep. 
she has decided, I'm not going to wake up for him. She goes to bed. Not only goes to bed, but she locks the door to kind of keep him out. We're not sure why she does that, but she's in bed. She's in a slumber, and all of a sudden, he gets there. Knocking on the door. Door's locked. Can't get in. And so he calls out to his bride who is in bed. He says, open to me, my sister, again, term of endearment, my darling, my dove, my flawless one. Now notice here, there's no harsh words. Now I'm sure this would be none of you, but imagine if you're locked out, you're thinking, you pain of a wife, you locked me out, let me in. Are you kidding me? You knew I was coming back. But there's none of those harsh words. In fact, he doesn't assume the worst. Instead, what does he do? He serenades her with pleasantries. My dove, my darling, my flawless one. I mean, how many of us could do that? Imagine your spouse locking you out, maybe not just the house, but also locking you out of their hearts. Would you continue to serenade them with pleasantries and flatter them? My beloved, my dove, my darling. He continues, he says, my head is drenched with dew, my hair with the dampness of the night. In other words, he's saying, I'm sweating like a pig. Open this door. Because this groom has endured so much to get back to his bride. You know, think about if you're in a moment and the one you adore, your beloved, is being locked out, they want to be with you. You would think your first thought is that with great urgency, I'm getting out of bed, and I'm going to let them in. I'm going to at least unlock the door. That would be the right thing to do. I was watching one of those videos the other day, probably the best I've ever seen. It's at an SEC football game. I don't know what college it was at. And you've got this woman and her two kids at the half-field spot. And they just kind of awarded them with a community award. I think it's actually a ruse. I mean, I'm sure they're great people. But then they say to them, we have another surprise for you, another award. And they turn down toward the end zone, and there is a man in his military outfit. The father, the husband has come back from his tour of duty. You should have seen this woman take off. I mean, she left the kids, like, in the dust. And she's just taking off. He takes off. It's beautiful, right? And they're embracing. And I'm thinking to myself, that's it. She didn't delay one moment. She didn't even wait for the kids. But it's your beloved, the one you adore. And they're knocking, saying, let me in. There should be zero delay. But the bride's response is not one of adoration. You know, I would say at best, it's admiration. It's kind of like she believes it's just some acquaintance, some neighbor at the front door knocking. And we see this in her delay. This is unbelievable. Of all delays, listen to this. She says in verse 3, as he's knocking on the door, let me in, my beloved, my flawless one, my dear, my dove. And she says, but I've taken off my robe. Must I put it on again to let you in, to unlock that door? I've washed my feet. Must I soil them again to get up onto the ground, walk to the door, and let you in? Because the floor was typically all dirt. And so if she were to get up, yeah, her feet would get dirty, and she'd have to wash them again. I mean, imagine the list of excuses we could continue with. Knocking on the door. Yeah, yeah, I'll be there in a minute. Let, let me finish this email. Let me send out that text. Let me complete this last lap of Mario Kart. Or I'm wrapping up Downton Abbey. It could be a hundred different things. And she says, you just got to wait out there a little bit longer. I've already taken my robe off. 
and have washed my feet. How do you think he felt on the other side of that door? Not much of a priority. Probably not a lot of adoration. See, the danger of delay is this. That the moment we begin to delay, it's almost like our adoration goes missing. And then we miss out. We see this danger play out in verse 4 to 6. The husband actually tries to get in himself. He's like, well, maybe she doesn't hear me. Puts his hand in the opening latch, trying to open it from the outside in. And as she hears his hand reach into this latch with the lock, she snaps out of it. This apathetic lull that had rocked her to sleep. She goes, oh my gosh, what am I doing? This is my beloved, the one I love. She jumps up, doesn't care about her feet, doesn't care about her rope, goes to the door, opens it, and guess what? It's too late. He's gone. He's nowhere to be found. And her heart begins to sink. See, after delay, so often what happens is desperation begins to set in. And that's exactly what's happening to her right now. She delayed for a moment. And desperation is what she experienced next. Have you guys ever experienced that? I mean, kids, think about it. Like, has there ever been a moment where you delayed and you knew you shouldn't delay? And the next thing that happens is that desperation sinks in. Because you're thinking to yourself, I don't know if I'm going to get that opportunity again. I don't know if I'm going to see that person again. There was this knock on the door. I should have answered, but I delayed and desperation sets in. And so for this bride in this moment, she's thinking, why in the world would I wait? This is my beloved, the one I cherish. And so she gets up. Guess what? She goes running out into the streets, yelling for her groom. Where are you? Looking for him around every corner, every street. The regret is thick, and the loss is great. And not only does the bride's delay have her miss out on the coming home of her husband, but as she goes out into the streets, and this is really strange, is right there in the scripture, is that she ends up getting battered and bruised by the city officials because they're blaming her for doing something inappropriate in the streets late at night, and she gets punished accordingly. So can you imagine everything this woman is enduring? I've just missed out. Desperation is setting in, and now she gets battered and bruised out in the streets for doing something she was not doing. But I love her perseverance. She doesn't give up. She goes to the daughters of Jerusalem, her friends. She says, I charge you, if you find my beloved, what will you tell him? Tell him that I am faint with love. In other words, she's saying, tell him I was wrong. She's repenting. She's confessing. She's saying, I was wrong. I should have opened up. I shouldn't have delayed. If you see him, will you please tell him that? But the friends want to know a little bit more before helping. I love these friends. They're like, well, why is he so great? Like, we don't want to go around looking for some dog, some half-witted, no-good husband. Like, I'm not going to waste my time. Tell me. Tell me why he's so great. Here's what they say. Well, how is your beloved better than others, most beautiful women? How is your beloved better than others that you would so charge us to help you find him? And you guys can read this on your own, but what follows in verse 10 to 16, you'll see it today is the response of the bride. She's saying, you want to know why he's so great? Well, let me tell you. And the mistake we can make is reading this answer as just her physically describing what he looks like. But what also is going on here is she is basically poetically declaring her adoration. She's saying, listen, I'm going to personify this here. Rubies, jewels, 
gold, sweetness. This doesn't just describe him physically, but also relationally, emotionally, and spiritually as well. I'm so amazed by this moment, because you would think, like, even after all the regret and the pain that she's experienced, persecuted in the streets, in this moment when she's asked to explain her groom, she remembers him rightly. Like, how easy would it have been for her in this moment to say, you know what, you want me to describe him? After all, you know what, I think I'm better without him. Don't worry about it. I'm better off without him. After all the pain, all the regret, being persecuted, it's so easy for her to say, you know, he's kind of below me. I'm just going to go find somebody else. Thanks for offering, but I'm better off without him. That's not what she does. Instead, she remembers him rightly. She says, this is God's beloved, God's gift to me, and the only other human being on the planet that I'm in true union with. And because she remembers him rightly, the intimacy has a chance to be restored. At least there's a chance. Because if she doesn't remember him rightly, it's over. Because she's telling herself, he's not worth it, don't worry looking for him, I'm gone. But she remembers him rightly, and at least there is now a chance there can be restoration. And will there be? We'll find out next week. Or if you're in the reading plan, you'll find out tomorrow. But nonetheless, there's now a chance. And so if we want to shrink the distance that we feel with our spouse, we have to remember them rightly. Even in their mistakes, even in their sin, we have to remember them rightly. That they are still God's beloved. They are still God's gift to you. They are still the only person in the world, flesh and blood, that you have true union with. Not a distraction to get out of bed, but God's gift and God's beloved. And it's the same with God. If we don't remember him rightly, the adoration is going to shrink and the intimacy is going to wither. So when we think of God, how do we recall him? Is he the distraction that gets us out of the bed on Sunday mornings? Or is he a loving father who is sweetly knocking on the door of your heart? Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. Just like the groom. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. Not just a meal, but he's saying I'll be in union with them. Perfect relationship forever. And so as we start winding down here, kids, I want, I want to tell you, I'm excited that you're in here for a whole host of reasons. But this is the most important reason why that I'm excited that you're here. I want you kids just for the next two minutes, I plead with you to listen to me. Because I want to connect some dots for you, especially if you're a little younger. And the dots I want to connect is that just like the groom, Jesus endured so much to come knock on the door of your heart. He died on the cross for our sins that we couldn't pay on our own. And then three days later, he rose from the grave to offer you eternal life. And so he's knocking on the door saying, I have a gift to offer you. It is an eternal relationship with me that we get to experience heaven not only here on earth, but also one day perfectly in heaven forever. He's knocking on the door and he's saying, will you receive this gift? And kids, if you haven't received that gift, if you haven't said yes yet, like I would encourage you to ask your parents, or we have prayer teams down here, or you can pray that prayer yourself. 
Now, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart right here, right now, as my Lord and Savior, who died for me and rose again to offer me eternal life. It's our moment of surrendering it all at the feet of Jesus. My life is yours. Now, here's the thing. No matter where we're at today, if you hear that message and you go, okay, that's great, I get it, but I'm not ready. I'm not ready to answer that door. What I want to make sure we hear that if you say, no, Jesus, I'm not ready yet. He is not on the other side of the door calling you names and condemning you. Instead, like the groom, Jesus continues to woo us with words of adoration. Even when we say no, even when we say I'm not answering, he is speaking words of love and mercy and grace through that door to you. He loves you that much. My final thing is this. There's one more similarity. And we so often leave this up. Kids, again, just one more minute. And the similarity we leave out between Jesus and the groom, we have a hard time saying this, is that just like the groom, a day will come where Jesus will stop knocking on your door. Now hang, hang with me for a moment here. There will be a day he'll stop knocking. The good news is, as long as you have breath in your lungs, he will keep knocking and knocking and knocking. Think about the thief on the cross. He will keep knocking and knocking. And so what that says is that we have till the moment of our final breath, our last moment on this side of heaven, to stop delaying and say, yes, Jesus, I'm inviting you in. I'm surrendering my life to you. The problem, the trick with all this, where we trip up, is that we don't know when that final breath is going to be. For some of us, it could be five years from now, 50 years from now, 100 years from now. We don't know. And since we don't know when that final moment is, let's stop delaying right now. We don't have to delay. Open the door. He's waiting. He loves us that much. Because what did we see with the bride? The bride delayed, and it brought upon a desperation of the worst kind. And to me, when I think of desperation at its worst, it's regret. And I don't mean to sound the alarm, but we have too much regret church. Every church across the globe has too much relational regret. And so we just want to help as a leadership. We told you guys the last few weeks that we're going to be having these evenings called Union Nights. We're going to get a panel of counselors and some of our staff. They're going to talk through some of the things that trip us up when it comes to intimacy and marriage. The first one's going to be May 9th. It's at our Westchester campus. Go to whichever one you want at 7 o'clock. The other one's going to be May 16th. Those are Tuesday nights right here in Loveland. We'd love for you to join. And if you need child care, that's the only reason why you would need to sign up. All that is on every form of social media that we have. I also want to point out the website behind me. It's request at golovelive.com. It is the one place that you can just go to right away. Whether you're like, I need, a, I need help with counseling, financial help to get a counselor. I need pastoral care. I just need somebody to listen. Whatever you need. Just let us know. You're going to hear back pretty quickly. And we have a lot of ways that we feel like we can support anybody who's going through a tough time right now. And the last thing, and I'll end with this, is our prayer room, which just feels a little bit odd. Why would you bring that up? We have a prayer room in here every Friday at 12 o'clock. And what that means is our worship team leads in a quieter set of reflection, meditation, reading. I worship. I just, I take that time every week just have intentional intimacy with Jesus. 
Now, what in the world does it have to do with my marriage? Why has that helped my marriage more than anything else I'm doing right now in my life? Because a better marriage always starts with Jesus, the one that we adore the most. Because think about it. If he can return from death, then surely he can restore our marriage back to life. Let me say that again. If you're struggling with hopelessness right now, this isn't a judgment. I'm just trying to encourage you. If he can return from death, he can restore your marriage back to life. We need, still need counseling, still need clinical help, all that kind of thing. Yes, still need to do that work. But what I know is that when we remember rightly that the God of the universe did not delay with us, my belief, my hope, is that we will stop delaying with one another and our adoration will climb. That is my hope and my dream for this church, that the adoration we have with our spouses and that we have with God is going to climb. If you're without hope here today, we would love nothing more to sit down with you, pray with you, talk with you. Jesus can do miracles in our marriages as well. So let's stand on the worship team come up, and we're going to have a chance to respond through communion and prayer. You know, with the families in here, maybe today's the day your family takes communion together. We remember rightly through communion that Jesus died on the cross. His body represented by the crackers, the juice representing the blood. And then we've got prayer teams up here today. My encouragement with prayer is don't delay. If there's anything you feel like you need from God today, restoration, to remember him rightly. Maybe there's some shame you're wrestling with. And when I talk about Jesus being on the other side of the door, wanting to come in, wooing you with words of adoration, you may be thinking, no, it can't be me. Let's not allow that shame to get a foothold in our lives. And I also want to speak to the families here, maybe again, because this unique moment where we're all together, we would love for every family to come down. And I'm talking a 15-second prayer. We just love to bless you to remember God in each other rightly. Because if you have your family, just come down love to pray over you. But no matter what, what is that in your heart right now? What is that thing that you're going, Jesus, if I could just meet you in this space, if I could just have this thing right now, let's not delay another moment. Let's come up, let's ask, let's pray together. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you. We, we have so much we want to thank you for. Lord, I just pray this is response time, there'd be no delay. If there's anything in our hearts right now that's keeping us back, any chains, any shackles, any shame, would you break it off? Would you just root out all the unhealthy delay? Lord, we know that delay can be good. We want to be smart. Sometimes we have to delay, we have to have boundaries, there's consequences.